0: From the international headquarters of the Sword of the Lord Publishers and Ministries here in downtown Murfreesboro, Tennessee, this is Making a Difference, and I'm Dr. Shelton Smith. It's a great joy to welcome you today. We get together here every day, five days a week, on this station at this time, and I'm glad that you've joined us today, and I hope you'll do so as often as you possibly can. And uh, listen, we are excited today because today, July 18th is the opening day of the National Sword of the Lord Conference over in Walkertown, North Carolina. That's in the suburbs of Winston-Salem, and we're getting ready tonight to kick it off at the 7 o'clock hour, and it'll be all day tomorrow, all day Wednesday and Thursday, It's going to be so very, very special. So if you live anywhere within driving distance, I hope that you will plan to be with us starting tonight. And if you are able to come later in the week, anytime, any service, make it your plan to be there with us. 9.30 9.30 in the morning, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, as well as 1.30 in the afternoon, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, and then 7 o'clock all four nights, starting tonight, July the 18th. And we'll look forward to seeing you there. No registration fees. Every seat is a free seat, and you are welcome to be right there with us. Everybody is a walk-in, so come right on, and any seat in the house that's available is yours, and I trust that you'll be there with us. And pray for us that the Lord will give us a great national sword of the Lord. Conference. Now, this week on the broadcast, I'm going to be talking on the general theme of New Testament Christianity. Now, you might ask me a few questions about that. You might say, well, why New Testament Christianity? Well, Jesus came, he died on the cross, arose from the grave, ascended back to heaven. The church was inaugurated and put things in place to carry on the work. And all of that is set in the New Testament, and it is the era of grace. It is the era... The time in which God has made possible salvation now, plain and simple, because Jesus has already made the arrangement for it. So, we talk about New Testament Christianity, and when I use the word Christianity and modify it by saying it ought to be New Testament based, we do so because there are many, many things flying under the colors calling themselves Christians that really are a rebranding, a reinventing of Christianity. Some man got an idea and went with it. He decided to do some things differently from what the New Testament says, and as a result of that, he created a following, and maybe even a whole denomination has been birthed out of that, and a lot of that has gone on. It's terribly confusing. It is uh, really disenfranchising to the real things that are Christian, and at the same time, it causes so much confusion among so many people. So what do we do here five days a week on this broadcast? We just take a clear-cut Bible stand, one that is focused on the Lord, Christ-centered, Bible-centered message, and we do everything we can to introduce the Savior and to explain salvation and then to give the kind of instructions that uh, really will help every one of us to live the Christian life. And we don't uh, hedge on that. We just simply say it ought to be by the Bible, and the New Testament is the basis on which We build much of what being a Christian is about. So we uh, talk about today, New Testament Christianity, and this will be the first session of that. We'll do some more tomorrow and beyond. But uh, let me just remind you that when Jesus was here on the earth, he established the church. And when I say the church, I'm not talking about a great denomination of some kind. I'm not talking about multiple churches. I'm talking about a single church. He established a church in Jerusalem, and from that church, other churches were born. And uh, it is pretty obvious to me that the church is always local, the very word church, the Greek word "ekklasia" means a called out assembly. So it's not a matter of some great, great gathering all over the world of people with like minds uh, not like some convention or even like our conference here the uh, conference that i've just advertised and just announced is not a church it is a gathering of church people it is a gathering of churches but it's not a church within itself churches are local and what happened when jesus established the church he said matthew 16:18 i say unto thee that thou art peter and upon this rock talking about himself I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Now, sometimes people want to say, well, the church really didn't exist until the day of Pentecost. I find that kind of strange because in Matthew chapter 18, where there are some conflicts to be resolved, Jesus gave specific instructions to his disciples that if all else failed, what do you do? Tell it to the church. And so he's telling us right there that they need to take some things to the church when they can't resolve it privately. So you can't tell me that Jesus was telling them to do something that they couldn't do. No, he was telling them it was possible because they already had a church. So in Matthew sixteen, eighteen, we have Jesus saying that he's going to build the church. And when we get to Acts chapter one and get into Acts chapter two, that's the time where that the Jerusalem church was anointed, they were empowered, uh, they were given the privilege of broadcasting the gospel to a great, great host of people who were there for the feast day of Pentecost. And it resulted in the rapid expanse of the gospel because many of those Jews were foreigners and they were there for the feast day. They went back to their country, wherever it was that they lived in the world, and they took with them the message of Christ. Three thousand converts on that one day there in Jerusalem. All of that came about because Jesus said, Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, but ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria, and unto the uttermost part of the earth. So literally, we give out our message, and we do our ministry locally, regionally, nationally and internationally, based upon the authority of the Word of God to do so. We believe everybody ought to become a Christian, but they cannot do so unless they have the message. And so we give out that message. We are a gospel giving people. We are a gospel preaching people, and we teach the Word of God about all of those things. So when we talk about New Testament Christianity, it begins where that Jesus began with it. He gave himself, of course, to pay for salvation, to make it possible for us to be saved. And he also established the church to carry on the message after he would go back to heaven. So that we see taking place. Now, here is the interesting thing that happens, and it's particularly pertinent in our time. After a few weeks, shortly after his crucifixion and resurrection, after his ascension, after the day of Pentecost, after a few weeks— Many, many folks were coming to Christ, not just the 3,000 on the day of Pentecost, but shortly thereafter, Acts chapter 4 and verse 4 says that 5,000 men were saved, not mentioning the women and children, but 5,000 men there in Jerusalem and the surrounding area. In Acts chapter 2, I think most of the converts were foreigners, probably not all, but most of them, many of them were foreigners, because they were there visiting for the feast day. And then when we get to Acts chapter four, this 5,000 men, most of them, if not all of them, were local Jews because all of those foreigners had already gone back home from the feast day. So we have a lot of people being saved. You get to Acts chapter five in verse 14, and it tells us that multitudes, both of men and women were coming to Christ. So we have a lot going on. A lot of people are coming to the savior. Now, just being Christian, as the early disciples were doing, and just becoming Christians, as many of these Jews were doing, did not suit everybody. It did not go down well with some of the folks, and that's why when we come to Acts chapter 4, and I read just a little bit from the beginning of the chapter here, we're talking about now New Testament Christianity, and here's what happens whenever you begin to give out the message. You get results. People are responding. People are changing their affiliation. They're no longer Uh, following whatever religion they had before, but they are now living as Christians and serving as Christians. So here's what we have in Acts chapter 4. As they spake unto the people, that is, the early disciples, they now are talking to other folks on the streets, in the shops, wherever that they're finding them, going door to door in their homes probably. As they spake unto the people, the priest and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them being grieved that they taught the people and preached through Jesus the resurrection from the dead, and they laid hands on them and put them in hold until the next day, for it was now eventide." So what do we have here? Well, this is the first major persecution of the early Christians and the early church. What happened was, as the folks went about talking about the gospel, talking about the Savior, talking about what had happened to them personally, There's a group of folks here, namely the priests, the captain of the temple, and the Sadducees, who became quite concerned. Now, it's like, oh, something is happening here, and it's out of our control. We're not able to manage this. Some of our people are turning to something different. And so the officials became very concerned, and verse 2 says, being grieved that they taught the people. Now, I think this term grieved is a little bit of a way of expressing that it was just a bit of a people are stunned on their part. They weren't all that concerned about the welfare of the people as they were about the fact that they themselves were about to lose ground. They were losing position. They were losing authority and losing control. And so, yes, it grieved them because these uh, Christians are talking about things that is literally changing the equation with so many people. And the message that they had was simply this. Verse 2 says, they preached through Jesus, the resurrection from the dead. And that message literally infuriated the priests, the captain of the temple, and the Sadducees. I mean, after all, the Sadducees didn't believe in resurrection. And so they were really in a stir about all of this. And the result of it was, verse three says, that they arrested the Christians and put them in jail. Now, that is a tragic turn of events. That is an expression of intolerance It's an expression that says there's no free speech. There's really a lot of things that could be noted here, but they really are venting their hostility toward these Christians and basically saying to them, you're going to have to shut up. You're going to have to not do this. And they're trying to use their position, use their authority to crush the witness and to shut down the testimony that they were giving and really to silence the effort that these early Christians are making. Well, obviously what they attempted to do did not work. Verse 4 here in chapter 4 of Acts says, "Howbeit, many of them which heard the word believed, and the number of the men was about 5,000. So in spite of the fact that there is the hostility, in spite of the persecution, in spite of the intimidation, in spite of the incarceration, There are many, many folks still coming to the Savior, and that really is shaking things up. It's rattling the cage of all of these officials, and the persecution is going to get even more intense. Now, i raise all of this issue, and I point out to you, what's the deal here? Are they criminals? No. Are they doing things that are morally incorrect? No. What are they doing? They are simply doing what normal Christians do, and as they do the normal Christian thing, they are getting heat and hurt put on them. Now folks, This happens still to this day, and I tell you, we can learn a lot of things walking through this. And so this week, I'm going to continue to talk to you about New Testament Christianity and show you how that these early folks managed things and stuck to their guns, did what they were supposed to do, and uh, they succeeded because they did not quake, they did not quit. So thank you for being along today. I'm so glad that you've joined us, and we look forward to seeing many of you at the National Sword Conference starting tonight, 7 p.m., Gospel Light Baptist Church, Walkertown, North Carolina. And do get in touch. Write me a note, Dr. Shelton Smith at P.O. Box 1099, Murfreesboro, Tennessee, 37133. The email address is radio at swordofthelord.com. Until tomorrow, God bless you. Have a good rest of the day, and goodbye for now.